Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Burning Bridges podcast with Mike Spriegel. I am your host, Mike Spriegel. This is a long overdue episode. I understand it has been several months since the last episode. And ironically enough, this isn't even the episode that I wanted to do. Uh, I'll tie into that a little bit more in a second there. But all in all, just to kind of give some background, what's been going on over the past, I'd say, year. Uh, remember, let's say one of my episodes, I mentioned I had a newborn kid and I have to say that's one of those things that each time you add a kid to your family and it makes a huge impact on how your life goes, you lose so much more of your time in a good way. It's one of those things that yes, you don't have the time to do all the frivolous things you used to be able to do before, but you know, you're watching this kid come from nothing and become everything and it's such a magical moment so wouldn't trade any of that on top of that though career change had some just job changes which obviously you know impacted what my overall time frames were a lot of it too is just that it's priorities you know I one thing I like to always thank every listener is that time is the most valuable commodity that you have so I always appreciate anybody who listens to this podcast or any podcast I mean a lot of people go out there put a lot of heart, energy, and effort into trying to make something like this, which can be both the easiest and the hardest thing in the world to do. Case in point, as I said, this isn't the episode I wanted to do. Uh, on our Facebook page uh, for Burning Bridges, we did tease about a month and a half, two months ago, that we had an episode planned where we were going to watch, and by we, uh, myself, uh, Stephen John, who previously done podcasts, episodes with me for Burning Bridges, as well as a newcomer, Adam. We were going to live view and watch the Disney's The Black Hole and then do a podcast afterwards. Uh, we actually had two separate recordings for it. And those recordings that we had, the first one was just kind of something I was going to release as a supplemental material, just us riffing on the live viewing of the actual movie itself. We chose that movie because it was uh, one of Disney's first PG movies they ever made. And it was great, too, because with the movie itself, John and Steve, they've already seen the movie before, albeit over 15, 20 years ago. But uh, Adam, uh, he was the one that has not seen it. So watching somebody watch this movie for the first time, it's an amusing thing. And then after the recording of the live viewing, we recorded the episode of the podcast, and I would like to say that definitely it was an amazing episode. Everything worked you know, perfectly. It was great insight. And then when I went to finalize and edit things, the files got corrupted. Long story short, I lost the episode. I still have the live viewing of it. I'm not going to release that yet. I'm still trying to figure out if there's time frames we can get everybody together to redo it. It won't be necessarily the same, though, because now that we've got time to die, you know, pretty much let everything sink in, maybe some of the same dialogue wouldn't happen. But it is something that I'm going to push to happen. I'd like to definitely thank Adam as well. Adam is the one uh, former musician, podcaster. He does a lot of great things. He had a lot of the hardware and equipment, which allowed us to all have everything mic'd up. And I feel really bad that he put in all that energy and effort for, unfortunately, the episode to get destroyed. So... That being said, that's something that's down the line that we're going to work on. Uh, but for today, today, just a solo episode. And it's kind of actually touching on, you know, 
a topic very close to what happened to my last podcast. It sucks when you have something that you work hard for and you make and then just the minest, minorest issue of technology wipes it all away. So I was pretty mad for about a week or two that, you know, the episode was lost. And I shouldn't be mad. And the reason I shouldn't be mad is that this type of technology, I mean, looking at what not only myself, but all these other people do, it's, it, in many ways, it is something that is a miracle when you consider what technology used to be about almost 30, 40 years ago. I mean, yeah, I had a technical difficulty. I lost, you know, and had a file get corrupted, which means, hey, I lost a podcast itself. But look how easy it is for us to create things now, how to capture things. If we want our media and we want our content, we can create it in ways that we never were able to do so, you know, decades and decades ago. And just to take, I guess, a trip down memory lane, I mean, I myself, early 40s. Um, first earlier memory I have of any sort of medium or format is going to be either television or records. Um, you know, as a young kid, had a record player which would play music. I also had, a, you know, obviously a TV that every family had. But the way we consume things in terms of media and content back then is completely different now. Kind of the overall history of it and how everything goes is as such. I mean, it starts out first that, you know, growing up, I had TV. But if you wanted to watch something, you had to watch it. Because if you didn't, well, you were hopeful that a rerun or it would be replayed in one way or another. Syndication of TV, you know, helped make that a lot more of a possibility. It wasn't until uh, BCRs became much more cost-effective in the early 80s that, you know, families started purchasing and being able to record content off your TV. But then there was always complications because you could only record what was on the TV itself. And then you had, of course, VCRs with multiple tuners. People started getting multiple cable boxes. There was millions of ways to kind of help circumvent and find ways to record programming itself. But then, you know, there's the length of cassettes. There was different formats with Betamax and VHS. VHS ultimately won out because the porn industry liked VHS. And it's funny how much strength and pull the porn industry has. But that was how we watched and we consumed TV until I would almost say it changed a little, I guess, in the later 80s, early 90s when cable television became a little bit more available. Because all these new channels kept popping up, so... What you needed was you needed a way to fill up all the broadcast time on those channels. So here you had all this old content, all these old TV shows that were given new life and syndication. They were put on, you know, to help fill out, you know, all the programming that you have. Like one channel that did such a great job of that was Nickelodeon because with Nickelodeon, it was kids, uh, inter, you know, educational programming and content during the day. But when it got to the evening time, they had Nick at Night, where they basically took all these old 50s, 60s, and 70s TV shows, and they played them throughout the course of the night for your older crowd. You know, it was a great way of capitalizing on nostalgia early on when it came down to television. TV really didn't change much at all until maybe, I would say, the late... Nah, yeah, late 90s, and that's when DVDs started coming out. You had an entirely new format, which gave you better quality, but the sacrifice of the better quality was is that, unlike a VCR, you couldn't record onto it. 
and that became the way it went. And eventually they did make recordable DVD players, but recordable DVD players in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, the biggest problem with them was they just weren't cost-effective in the medium, just couldn't hold that much data and information. So then you got the next amazing breakthrough, which was the TiVo. And the TiVo, of course, created an entirely game-changing way where you could record whatever you want, catalog it all onto like a hard drive that you had on a computer. Amazing in so many different ways. And the DVR box concept then would eventually go and take off and was a prominent benefit and feature of television and how you watch things because ultimately it, it did change the course of a lot of television programs. A lot of times research was done and they found out, hey, People aren't watching this show first run, but there's a lot of people are watching these programs secondhand in the sense that they're watching it stored on DVR. So the programs are still getting watched, but problems occurred because a lot of people, especially advertisers in the business industry, got mad because people were finding ways to circumvent their uh, commercials and ads. The next way that you know media you know changed in terms of consumption was that you had services like Netflix that began where, hey, you can now get movies sent to you in the mail. And it was an alternative to DVR where you had the ability, instead of spending 15 to $30 buying a movie, now you could spend a monthly subscription and see all the things you normally wouldn't. The early days of Netflix were cowboy days, though, because a lot of the popular titles were always out of stock. You had to always update your queue. And then it's a matter if it got lost in the mail or not. And that maintained until streaming services came along. And now when you look at how we consume media, streaming is almost everything when it comes down to it. Now with Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, now Disney has their own streaming channel that's coming out. Now the physical medium has gone away to the point where we're you know, so dependent now on internet, high speeds, data, and all of that to be able to get what we want. To take a parallel route down, you know, memory lane too, when it came down to music, as I said, as a kid, the first memories I had was having a record player. I was around when 8-track cassettes were out, but did not actively, you know, know what they were. It was more of something I saw as I got older, but by then it was already phased out by the 80s. So, you know, 8-tracks, you know, begat, of course, you know, well, I wouldn't say begat albums. They were their supplemental albums until they refined it to where you had regular cassettes. Regular cassettes is where, for me, I mean, currently today, I have only bought maybe an average three to four CDs a year. Whereas there was a period of time that per year I was buying about 20, 30 plus CDs, if not more. Um, one of my prior employment was at an electronic retail chain. And because of that, I was always buying CDs. But in the 80s, you had cassettes. And you could buy cassettes, re-listen to them. But it wasn't quick or effective. If you wanted to get to a certain song, you wore out certain parts of the cassettes, rewinding and fast-forwarding to it. Cassettes did give and grant you the portability of the Walkman, being able to bring music to different places. Now, if you wanted music that you didn't have... If you were one of the lucky ones, you had a radio boombox that you could just record off the radio. So if there was a song that you knew that was just being played on the radio, you would quickly hit record on that cassette. And guess what? You got the song, but not perfect, though, because you'd have a DJ intro. You maybe missed the first five, six seconds of the song. 
But that's what it was, is that if you couldn't afford an album and you just wanted the song to listen to, you did that. You recorded off that. If you have a tape player that was a dual deck tape player, guess what? That's where the art of the mixtape came in, where anybody that's my age in their you know 40s, older, the mixtape was the ultimate thing. You would some people would sit there and if you saw ever seen the movie High Fidelity about, you know, Rob always, you know, obsessing over the perfect mixtapes, a lot of us did that. Those of us that loved music sat there and said, All right, if I can only fit ten to twenty songs onto an actual cassette, which songs and what order do I put them in that gets me the maximum amount of enjoyment? So that became a way of listening to music. When CDs came out in the uh late 80s, early two that or early 90s, the sound quality in some ways was better, in some ways was worse. The CD itself, early CDs weren't that great. And I think part of it is, is because the way that they transferred everything from analog to digital, you lost a lot of some of your lower end frequencies. A lot of people talk about how with bass, you know, it was better on cassettes and more so on albums itself. CDs gave us the convenience that, hey, here is a disc that you can listen to and it sounds as clean as possible, but it doesn't sound like the original recording. And to help, you know, make that at least counter that, though, you had convenience. If you want to listen to a song, then guess what? You just hit fast forward until you get to that song. There you go. You just listen to whatever song you wanted to. So if you want to hear the same song over and over again, you just set the CD player to repeat now in that song. And guess what? You could spend three hours listening to the same song. and I know it sounds crazy. I did it. There were certain songs I was so enamored with when I was a teenager that I would be more than happy to play it over and over and over again. But CD technology didn't have the recordability option that cassettes did. Now, that's not to say you still couldn't take CDs and make a mixtape. If you had the right type of setup, you could hook up a CD player to a stereo or boombox. And guess what? record you know cd onto that you would still be able to make your same mixtapes it's just that you know a different type of medium format you got discman players which then let you carry them around but then the problem with discman players is that because it was reliant on a laser reading a disc you had to spend a lot of money if you wanted a discman player that had the ability to have the best anti-shock technology and this for some people here that maybe listen to this podcast, you're you know asking, what the hell is he talking about? But yeah, if you didn't have the right type of CD player, the slightest little bump, guess what? The track would skip or jump or worse. On top of that, you also had to keep the CDs as clean as possible and make sure that there wasn't any scratches on them because otherwise it would also cause skipping or make it harder for it to read. So you had CD technology, which, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily completely eliminated cassette. It wasn't until that you had recordable CDs come out in the late 90s, early 2000s, where all of a sudden, guess what? You can make your own mixed CD tapes. And then the art of a cassette basically became the art of the CD, where you had the ability to put up to, let's say, 72 minutes worth of music onto a disc. So what 72 minutes do you put on there? Now... A lot of that, too, is also because of the formats they use. Most of the you know, format going onto a CD was, of course, a wave-style format. The other thing that, of course, came out in the late 90s, early 2000s, I remember my first MP3 player. It was a Samsung MP3 player. had 64 megabytes of memory on it, so it could basically hold an hour of music. But with that, 
you had this small portable device, no skipping. Your only problem you had with your early MP3 players is that were how you got your music and what quality you did. Obviously, the more higher the quality, the larger the audio file, which means that the less music you could put on there, or you flip that, you could lower the audio quality, get tons of music on there, but then it would sound very fuzzy, distorted things like drums would seem off. And then storage became the whole key to music in the 2000s. When you bought an MP3 player, the amount of storage you had on your device pretty much let you know how much you could carry with you at the time. And then eventually you started getting players which used flash memory or upgradable memory. Hey, that all went uphill. Now, in today's modern day and age, it doesn't even seem to matter anymore. Like in the old days, like I remember when you used to have like, you know, iPods or in my case, you had a Zune. Yes, I had a Zune. But you would sit there and like, all right, I do I spend the 128 megabyte for model? Do I get the 256? And eventually, you know, it would get up to like, you know, gigabytes and how many gigs do you have on there? And so you pay the premium for the price of storage because the cost of storage wasn't cost effective at the time. Nowadays, I don't even think it matters right now what your storage is. Like right now, MP3 players is probably such a dead industry in the sense because now your cell phones pretty much do what your mp3 player does it's just not a separate device now the only rub you have when you have of course a cell phone is the fact that all right your cell phones like especially if you're an apple user if you're apple user one of your biggest headaches is the fact that you can't upgrade the memory on your ipod so whatever storage that you get for your ipod is a very essential thing from the start other mp3 or uh, cell phones like samsung's or other brands those ones you could upgrade storage my current cell phone that I have right now is a Google Pixel, which I love, but it does not have upgradable memory. And the reason why a lot of these companies do that now is because, A, it's just money. They don't want to put additional money in the device. But the other thing is it makes you reliable on their services. Because now, sort of circling back to how I was just talking about television, now data is the key to everything. When you see... Any sort of plant, you know, television commercial about a cell phone carrier at this point, the number one speaking point is data. We have a limited streaming data. How much data do you get for what cost? How many, you know, gigabytes of data do you get? What's network coverage like? And that's what it's become is that we've gone from a very analog and physical society to now where everything is amazingly digital. And it's it's not to say that going digital has been bad. I think the one thing you always have to consider is that no matter what medium or format you use, there's always a price that's going to be paid. In the older days, the price we paid with the format such as albums and tapes was that it was just very difficult to obtain new material unless you went out and physically bought the material itself. You know, as time went on, you had, you know, CDs and other ways to get things. But the same thing is that if you wanted to aggregate and collect all your music into a single source, it wasn't easy. Or if you just wanted one or two songs. Like back then, you could go to a record, tape, album store, CD store, whatever you want to call it. You could go to a music land, a Sam Goody, a Virgin Records. You could go in there and there would be CD singles or tape singles for the music you like. So if you didn't want to spend... The $15, $20 buying, let's say, a CD, and you only cared about the single that was off that being released on the radio for that. And guess what? That's what you just did. You know what? 
I'm going to even take this even further because I was just talking about radio just a second ago. Another way of how we consume our music that's so much different now is you have music services too, such as you have Pandora, you have Spotify, you know, Google Play and Apple have their own streaming music services. So now they have it where you don't even have to own the music per se. You can rent the music. And for some people, they're more than satisfied with that. Like I myself... As I said, I've only bought a few CDs over the past couple of years. I do digitally uh, purchase things online. Perhaps in my past, I had the downloaded music from less than reputable sites. I mean, that's what changed. And I think in some ways, a lot of people say kill the music industry is when like Napster came out of you know nowhere and changed how people got music and using shareware software. Then after Napster got shut down, there was always a new program. And now, you know, BitTorrenting is probably one thing. If somebody wants something, that's how they find a way to do it without actually purchasing it. But even now with BitTorrenting and everything, you know, the legal crackdowns you have on that where, you know, people, you know, the industry is very adamant in checking in with your providers, trying to make sure that their properties are being protected. So... Now, sometimes the legal repercussions doesn't even make torning seem like a viable format anymore because if you get caught, nobody wants to get hit with a lawsuit being you know, charged you know, thousands of dollars because you downloaded a song illegally. And that's why with a lot of these services now, you could spend $5, $10 a month now to have access to all the music that you want. Or they have free versions of it. And guess what? The free versions that you have, you get the convenience of being able to listen to music, sometimes you have to listen to it in a certain order, such as Pandora is much like a radio station, and you have to program the station to put the music you want on there, and you have to commercials, and if you don't want commercials, you got to pay more. So, you know, where am I going, I guess, with all of this is that losing an entire podcast because my computer messed up is a very frustrating thing. Now, one would say... Had I had, say, had analog recording material and physically recorded onto a physical medium itself, would that have made, you know, the difference itself? But I think we, it's interesting in how we as a society have adapted in the past 40 years to all these amazing jumps and advancements in technology. And it's for the good and the bad itself. For those that are music purists, one people, one thing that a lot of people my age that are audiophiles that hate is that with the way the music industry is now nobody ever listens to a complete album ever a musician could put out an album but mostly the way that it's being focused on by a lot of your uh, recording studios and labels is that you got to put a whole bunch of hits onto an album don't try to get creative or don't try to tell a story we just need the hits because nobody is ever going to listen to the entire album itself and it's sad sometimes because, you know, an artist says, hey, I want to put out all this music I want. Now, some artists don't care. Like, as an example, uh, one of my favorite semi-concept albums of all time is from Queens of the Stone Age, which is Songs for the Deaf. It's essentially from the beginning to the end of the actual album. A guy in between songs just sort of like driving through the desert, listening to whatever radio stations come up during that time. So between songs or after songs, you had just these novelties of just all the things you would normally hear if you were to listen to the radio at weird parts of the day, from be it AM, FM stations itself. But it's an interesting concept. The album 
is a great album. If you listen to songs individually, they're great songs individually, but it's one of those things that to get the full effect of the album, you almost have to listen to it from front to start. A lot of artists don't do that sort of thing anymore unless they know who their fan base is because for some artists, like as an example, if you're you know, a Justin Bieber, you don't care about trying to get cute or artistic about that. All you want to do is you want to have an album that goes out and sells as many things as possible. Matter of fact, if you're a Justin Bieber, you're not even writing your own music at this point. There's tons of different you know writers specifically songwriters out there that they go sift through and hand and cherry pick songs and they know that'll be hits so if you ever sit there and wonder why artists like you know you know justin bieber has the hits he has well it's easy because his label is right now picking out the best of the best that they can find in terms of music versus where more of your traditional music acts now they you know put the hard work and effort in now that being said, you know, it's it's the power of convenience. The convenience is, is, guess what? We can get music any way, form, or shape that we want. Matter of fact, if I don't even want to pay for something right now, I could right now go on my computer, go on to YouTube, type in a song, just listen it through YouTube. You know, it's no different from listening to anything else. I mean, the, the music industry grew outgrew itself because it did not adapt to the digital age fast enough. The television industry, movie industries... They've adapted a lot better, I think, in the sense where they've been able to protect their content materials a lot more. It doesn't hurt that trying to illegally obtain those materials does require sometimes a lot more data and risk. But we've we've become so comfortable in how everything is handed to us nowadays. And not just music or not just, you know, television or movies. Like even myself, I love reading comics. Even comics now... There is such a amazing convenience instead of buying a physical copy to be able to just, you know, purchase or download or use various services to read it onto a tablet itself. I mean, in the room that I'm recording in right now, this is my main media room that I have here where I have 30 plus years of things and memories collected. And amongst one of my walls, I have all of these long boxes of all these comics that I purchased over the years. Now... The number of comics being added day to day have changed. Before, I remember used to being able to get 40, 50, buying 40, 50 comics a week. Now, I maybe buy four to five comics a month at this point. That's more because of how the industry there has also changed in terms of overall quality and everything else. But, you know, it's space. Now, the convenience. Yes, I lost a podcast, but that's because instead of using all this bulky equipment, I was just simply recording it right onto a computer. Just something nice and simple. And guess what? If I want music, I can just digitally purchase the music. You know, instead of having right now looking at my shelf, I have all of these CDs on there that I never touch, but I have there. Now, for some audiophiles, having the CD is still great because. For some, they want to have the best sound quality possible. So you can take a CD, make a flak lossless file, and then from there, hey, amazing. But the problem then you get into is the storage factor again because of the size and capacity it takes. I look at all my movies that I have on my shelf right now. And now that's become a lot more convenient because like last two movies I purchased, uh, last movie I purchased was uh, The Last Jedi. It was the first time, though, that I had not bought a physical copy of a movie, though. I finally got to the point where the movie I bought before that was Thor Ragnarok. Amazing movie, by the way. Probably the, my favorite movie of last year. 
But when I bought Thor Ragnarok, I got the digital download code, which I was able to use with movies anywhere. And now through one of five different types of, you know, programs, I can easily access this movie that I have right now. And I realized that, all right, I'm not using really the Blu-ray because it's a headache now or just to put a disc in. That's the kind of thing we've become as a society is we can't even walk 10 feet to put a disc into a player instead it's like no i just type in a bunch of numbers right here and guess what i can just stream it on the internet you know or stream it on through this service content so you know when i went to for the last jedi granted when i bought last jedi digitally it was also a very depressing day that day won't get into it but you know i had a great personal loss over the past couple of months and I was about weeks out. It was the digital copy was available weeks before the actual movie was available on hard. And I said, you know what? I just want to watch the movie. If I get the discs, I probably will never watch the discs and I can put them on a shelf. And guess what? They're just going to sit there on the shelf as a reminder that I own them. You know, and that's, I guess, kind of the mixed bag here. I mean, right now for you listening to the podcast, this is free content for you. For anybody here that subscribed to my podcast, I greatly appreciate it. But you're also getting this material where mainly the cost I spend is, you know, my time, resources, using the services I use and everything. Those are just incidental things. I do this because I enjoy it. But nonetheless, right now, for some of you, getting this podcast was just as simple as just opening up your podcast program. Because when you open it up and update, boom, and it just shows up showing, hey, there's a new episode of this podcast that's available. That's how amazingly convenient things can be had just as it can be that easy to lose something in the sense that hey maybe i clicked a wrong button here maybe i had a problem with the computer i wasn't aware of and because of that small little issue right there that content that i was making for free was just as easily lost so you know in the end it's going to be interesting because when you look at what's happened in 40 years in terms of how we consume movies, TV, music, comics, books. Everything has gone digital now, but they all seem to have the same common thread, which is most of it requires connectivity. Right now, if I want to watch all of these things, I need to have a Wi-Fi available through my you know, internet provider, which has a cap on it, which I never hit the cap of data I have in my internet provider, but... You almost have to wonder, as time goes on and more things are being done digitally, will it get to a point where hitting those caps will be easier to do on your uh, internet providers? When I look about how much data that I use on a monthly basis through my cell phone service, I kind of sit there and just you know cringe in some ways where it's become so easy to just rely on being able to access any information you want anywhere. And it's not just even music. If I'm sitting there like, well, wonder what the weather's going to be like. I'm on a phone and boom, there it is. You know, so it's the power of technology. The power of technology at this point has created this amazingly great risk reward system where now my risk was by using this technology to get you content I lost the content in the process. No big deal. You know, it's, if anything, as I said, I'm more mad. The anger I had about losing the episode was more along the lines that I had people that came over, spent three to four hours, spent their time. And for that, for that to be lost, we're trying to figure out what to do. You know, we could try to bring people back, but that's neither here nor there. But everything's gone to the point where, you know, everything's gone digital. Everything is about convenience. And now the next step is, is that, you know, 
calling through everything that I've mentioned now, going through, hey, using services like Spotify, Pandora, using Netflix, Hulu, using, you know, podcast services, using, you know, just downloading, you know, music from Apple iTunes store. Do we really own anything anymore? You know, it's one of the big complaints and one of the funny things about when Metallica went nuts and decided to sue Napster is because they were mad and upset because they weren't making any money off the downloads of people taking or stealing their music off of uh, Napster itself. Now, one would say, well, Metallica, you make more than enough music, but then you look now 20 years later and you look at how record sales have dropped about almost 50 plus percent, if not more, in terms of sales. Maybe Metallica was right. Now, they were maybe right, but I would say that the way they went about it was maybe a little bit wrong. I think there was definitely a PR hit and it was definitely about guys that maybe understood the technology but didn't understand it for the right ways. They were mad because they weren't making money off it, which fine. Protect and obviously, you know, what your you know resources were. Let's say if I had this podcast on a premium service and then you had to pay five dollars a month to access this podcast, but there was another way you could get this podcast. All you had to do was go to a certain site or use a certain method and you got it. Would that make me upset? I guess if it was my primary source of income, it would frustrate me. But I think I also understand, too, how the technology works itself. You know, when you look at people that are professional YouTubers and how all of these people with their content basically get paid, used to get paid for, let's say, their advertising. And now a lot more of that's being demonetized as time has gone on just because you know, controversies. You see all these personalities now doing or saying dumb things just to try to get more people to watch. But in the term, they're also losing more sponsors as well. By the way, if you ever want to be a sponsor of uh, the Burning Bridges podcast, just feel free to contact me. I'll be more than glad to. But, you know, that's, I'm not there yet. I mean, I look at what my download numbers are for the podcast and it's numbers that I never would have imagined possible. And for those of you that do listen, I'm amazingly ecstatic about it and everything. But, We've just hit that weird point now where I sit there now and wonder what's the next thing. Now that we've gotten so data, you know, bait, you know, focused at this point, where where does our media come from now in the future? Especially when you factor in that online internet security is probably at all time low. We use all these online services, but now the fear that somebody can use that information against us has magnified tenfold in light of recent scandals. There doesn't seem to be a week or two that goes by where you don't hear about people saying, a major company of some sort, saying there was a data breach of some sort. So all of this that's going through my head that I've been talking about for the past half hour, all of this is stemmed from me losing a podcast episode. So, you know, ultimately, it's things just to think about just where we've gone and come as an overall society in terms of our media itself. You know, there, there's, I'm not going to preach or advertise, you know, advocate that, oh, you know, media nowadays is horrible and soulless. Like, I know people that are still hardcore fanatics, and every time a movie comes out, they'll buy the most prestigious version of whatever physical copy of it is out. And for those people, do your thing. I'm I'm not going to judge you by all means. I mean, because guess what? If you bought that physical copy of that Blu-ray, if you bought that prestigious, you know, double, you know, disc version of a CD, if you're that person that bought that, you know, complex looking hardcover comic book, you know what? You own it. 
that's yours. Nothing can ever be taken away where sometimes you have to wonder if at the moment of, let's say, in a year or two, at a sudden moment, we lose access to everything that we thought we always would have access to. Instead of being able to listen to a podcast like this, you won't be able to because maybe as time goes down the line for this podcast to even be heard, I have to pay people to be able to have the right to be able to have it listened to. You know, this free content could possibly one day be not cost effective to make anymore because of what might be charged. So it's it's an odd world we live in right now. And I understand that there's a lot of difference of opinions. And we as a country, as United States, we love fighting with ourselves for some reason. We we love disagreeing. And I think the hardest thing is, is that we always like to think we're right. And even though I've been talking for about a half hour about a variety of different com, you know, you know, contents and you know all these different topics, I'm sure there's people that disagree with you because you know what, I'm probably wrong too. You know, right now what I'm saying right now are the things that I just kind of feel about. But then again, I think about the things I thought about 20, 20, 30 years ago that I thought were right. I look back and I think, man, was I one dumb son of a bitch thinking and believing a lot of those things. When I was sitting there thinking that, hey, this mixtape I made is going to be my one of my best things I've ever done. And then think that, hey, 20 years later, I'm talking right now into a microphone explaining my feelings and opinions on things. I have no idea what the future holds in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Look at how fast everything goes. Who knows? In 20 years, maybe this net podcast I'm doing right now, not even called a podcast. It's all done telepathically because we found ways to embed ships in our head. Now, that's going off the reservation. I'm not going to say that I'm one of those cuckoo conspirators where it's like, oh, all the most radical things you can think of are eventually going to happen. But hey, maybe I'm broadcasting from the moon. Or guess what? Maybe I'm not even here. I mean, it's it's always the easy thing to say that, hey, 10 years from now, five years from now, maybe I'm not here tomorrow. And if that's the case, how does all of this live on? Like if if this were to go away, then the question I would ask is this is then what what happens to this, my podcast at this point? Where there'd be like copies out there that somebody would archive. Would somebody find my hard drive and just throw it away, not knowing that this is on here? Does this have any value within a vacuum itself? So those are the thoughts and musings of me today. I'm still going to work on getting that Black Hole podcast episode up and going. But for the most part, I like to thank everybody who took the time to listen to this episode. Um Normally, I do a few little plugs of things I love and watch, and I would just say this. Just watch Black Panther. Amazing movie. Looking forward to the Avengers Infinity War coming out next week. Um, You have Westworld Season 2 that starts up within about a week or two. I'm looking extremely forward to that. Um, I have not drinking right now because I'm recording this during the daytime, but at some point next day or two, I'm going to drink Scorpion Bowl. IPA from Stone Brewing, which will be probably a very delicious one itself. So thank you for everybody spending the time with me on this podcast today. If you uh, have any questions or opinions or everything, you can find me on Bernie Bridges uh, uh, podcast, Mike Spriggle on Facebook or the B Bridges pod at Twitter hashtag or a handle itself. Uh, But thank you for joining me. This is Mike Spriggle and I do appreciate you spending your time with me. Thank you. Bye.